0: But Mark chapter 4. I'm gonna read not all of 1 through 20. I'm gonna read a, just a couple of verses from each one. And we pray as we look at speaking of Jesus. But so Mark chapter 4, verse 3, Jesus said this listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. In verse 14, the sower sows the word. And he who has the ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, just thanks for your word. But well, thanks for the confidence that we can have in your word, the hope that we can have from your word. Lord I pray that you just give us the courage to share your word. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come, speak to us this, this passage that you would just remove any distraction from us that we would see ourselves in the passage. Holy Spirit, just give us your grace. Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus said, when he's getting ready to tell this story to this massive crowd, I mean, he was, he was the most popular thing at the time. I mean, there was an enormous crowd to come out to see him. And what he said to them was, listen. Which that word means hear him, but then it's listening to respond. Jesus says, listen, so lean in, hear it, but hear it with the intent that you're going to respond to what he says. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And this morning, as we've been talking about speaking of Jesus, we're just going to go through this passage, but I want us to look at a couple other passages, i I want to give you four stakes. As we start out to speak about uh, Jesus, I want to give us four stakes that we can put in the ground spiritually, they give us the support and the courage that we need. We're going to look at four soils, and then I'm going to give you a look at four strategies for one purpose, which is to, to reach people's souls. A lot of people don't talk that way about people's souls anymore. I was reading the latest edition of a scientific magazine this past week, and there's a whole article about what we can know, can we know truth, What happens after we die? This is from uh, April of 2017, and the question is, no, this is it, they said. There's nothing after this. You die and you're gone. This is a top scientific magazine. It's not what the Bible says. God has planted eternity in people's hearts. And the whole challenge for us is to speak of Jesus, to go into all the world and preach the gospel and we need some stakes to help us do that to help us be with some confidence and the the first thing we need is if you'll flip over your bible to acts chapter 17 acts chapter 17 i really encourage you to look at it acts chapter 17 verses 24 Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 28, the Apostle Paul's walking around through Athens, and he's seeing all these gods and these idols, and he comes across one that says, to the unknown God. And then he gathers these people together, which is what they would do back then, and he speaks of Jesus after he sees this worshiping of the altar to the unknown God. And there are some, when we go to speak of Jesus, there are some things we have to start with to get us through. And the first one is God. The God is the sovereign creator. Paul says in verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed. His offspring. The first stake that we have to start with, if you're going to speak of Jesus, is you've got to get it absolutely convinced that God is God and that He is the sovereign creator of the world, that He's absolutely sovereign. God is. That's why we speak of Jesus. That's why you should speak of Jesus. But then God sets the boundaries for us. He says, and he made, verse 26, and he made from everyone. Of man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined and allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Which means none of you are sitting here today by accident. God designed it that way. I'm not here by accident. Everybody you meet, you're there because God set the boundaries for you to be there. You don't live next to your neighbors by accident. You don't work with the people that you work with by accident. You don't come across strangers by accident. God has set the boundaries for everybody. Is what it says. Is that what it says? He has set the ba- he's determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. You don't just get to pick up and move someplace and think, look at me, I did this, I retired, I moved here, I'm moving my family over here, as if God had nothing to say about that. If you move and go someplace, it's because God allowed you to move and go someplace. He allotted that for you to go someplace. God is sovereign creator of the universe. Nothing happens outside of him. That's a stake that God is, and that God sets the boundaries. So when you're at work, And there's a guy who is against God in every way. God set the boundary for you to be the one to speak to him. Wednesday night, I left a church after the elder meeting. And it was about 9.45. I was driving on Saddam Road. It's pretty dark out. A bunch of cars were in front of me, whipping past me. And all of a sudden, I'm getting ready to turn to go to 34. And I see this guy about in his late 80s with his thumb out hitchhiking. I usually don't pick up hitchhikers. But when you preach about speaking of Jesus and you preach about God sets the boundaries of your life and he brings everybody across for your purposes, you think about it a little bit more, which is what you're supposed to do. So I stopped, rolled my window down, and said, where are you going? He says, he told me where he's going. I said, so come on in. And I shared the gospel with him for as much as I could in the three-minute ride that we had. I told him who I was, where I went to church. He told me where he went to church. He only goes a couple times a month. I said, well, come join us on the other couple times a month. God does that. That's how we need to see our lives. I was with somebody recently at a restaurant this week and talking to the waitress, and the waitress found out, they, the person found out where the waitress lives, and the person says, hey, well, you could come to our church. He set the boundaries. He spoke of Jesus, and who knows where that's going to go, but God sets the boundaries for us. That's the stake you have to hold on to, that God is God. He's sovereignly in control. God sets the boundaries for your life. So look around your neighborhood. You're not there by accident. You're there because the God of the universe set you in that street, at that workplace, with those friends, with those family members, because he wants you to try to reach them and speak of Jesus. And God does the miracle of salvation. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. These are stakes that we have to start out with to help us as we speak of Jesus. The first one's God. And we just got to get into our minds that God has set the boundaries for our lives. We are not in any place by accident. In 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6, I'm going to read verse... For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Which means people are blind to the gospel. That's what it says. Nobody sees Jesus on their own. Who wakes them up? Do we wake them up? Who wakes them up? God wakes them up is what it says. God says, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shone into our hearts. God's the one who has to wake blind people up to the gospel. It's God who does it. God does the miracle of salvation. We just need to speak of Jesus. Rico Tice does something which I'm about to do, which I don't have great expectations uh, from from our church. We're a little quiet, but we're going to try it anyway. This is what we need to understand when we speak of Jesus and what first second Corinthians 4 1 through 6 says is that we are called he says we, we, we give away practicing cunning advices or trying to trick people or just to sh- make the gospel what we want so we can get a response we don't do that we just speak the truth we preach Christ is what it says and God opens blind eyes our job is to preach Christ and God opens blind Blind eyes. That's what 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6 says. We are called to preach Christ, and God opens blind eyes. Do we agree with that? That's what it says. We're just going to practice that. So I'm going to have this side right over here. Say to out loud, we preach Christ, and this side over here, say God opens blind eyes. My expectations are low, so wow me. Okay. <laughs> this side right here. We preach Christ. Not too bad. One more time. We preach Christ. Christ. One more time. When you believe that, and when we believe that as a church, and when we say this is true, this is what God says, that's a stake that we put in the, God, the ground. That it's about God. God sets the boundaries. Nothing and nobody I meet is an accident. God designed this one for me from the beginning of time, it says in Acts 17. And then God does the miracle of salvation. Our job is just to preach Christ. He is the one that opens up blind eyes. So you preach the gospel. And the other stake that we need is we need to go out and see the scene. People today are open to hear good things, but the scene of the world is the reality of what God says about it. In the Lord of the Rings, it says, it's dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. It's dangerous business for us to go out our door, and sometimes we don't want to go out our door. Sometimes we don't really want to see the scene that's out there. The world's a very broken place, but it's also a very beautiful place. It's broken and beautiful, which makes it often hard for us to want to go share Jesus. Because every day I see unbelievably beautiful things in the world, which is God's common grace in us. But it's an absolutely broken world and very beautiful people who are doing a lot of good things think they're going to get to God that way. But the scene is not that way. Romans chapter 1 says that the wrath of God is on men because of their rebellion. The nicest, kindest, gentlest people you know that don't know Jesus Christ have the wrath of God over them. And the Bible says if they don't come to know Jesus Christ, they'll be separated from God for eternity. If you like it or not, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else in the Bible. And the scene that is out there, the stake that we have to plant around the ground is people need to know the truth, which is the wrath of God is on them, but repentance is available in a broken and beautiful world where they're blinded to it. They don't even recognize it. So that's the stakes that we need to start out with. That God is God. God sets the boundary. God does the miracle of salvation. We preach Christ. God opens blind eyes. Then we need to go see the scene and let that stir us. The eye, your, your eyes are affected. Your heart's affected by your eyes. When you go to Walmart and look around with these stakes that everybody needs God. God put me here for this reason. God does the miracle of waking people up. And everybody I'm looking at, if they don't know Jesus is under the wrath of God justly, but there is a way for them to be rescued, we can have confidence that when we speak of Jesus, God will work. But what happens When you have that confidence, when you have those stakes, and then you toss out the seed, what happens when you start sowing the seed? That's what the passage of Mark 4 and Matthew 13 are talking about, this parable that Jesus gives. What happens when you toss out the seed of the word? Where does it go? And Jesus spoke to this massive group of people, and he spoke in parable. And a parable is just a comparison. It's a simple story put alongside a spiritual truth. Jesus often spoke in parables, and all through Mark's Gospels, he's very action, very action, and all of a sudden he slows down in Mark chapter 4 and gives the longest section of Jesus' teaching. And in this parable, he says, if you don't get this parable, you're not going to get any of the parables. If you don't understand the parable of the sower, you aren't going to understand anything. So what happens to the soil? And he gives out four different paths. A sower would go out to sow. It's a very agricultural area. And so they would have little plots of land. The guy would go out and he'd start tossing seed all over the place. He had a little portion of land. And so he would cover it as much as he could. And he would sow the seed. He would toss it all over the place. And he spoke of four paths. The the, the path that was the path, the rocky ground, the thorns, and the good soil. And nobody understood the parable. And then the disciples didn't even understand the parable. And then in verse 13, Jesus says, here's the explanation of the the parable. Here's what happens when the Word of God is sown out to people's lives. He says some of the soil goes on the path or on the sidewalk or on the road, the place that's really packed down. And when it hits that, nothing takes place. So sometimes when you share Jesus with people, it's it's like hitting concrete. There's nothing for it to sink into and you can preach the gospel, you can speak to the people, and they aren't going to get it. I mean, there are people who come to church sometimes, and I will share something about Jesus, and then afterward, they'll tell me something that's just completely way out there, has nothing to do with Jesus, and that's what they believe. That's a hard ground. For some reason, there are people that just not, it's hard. It, It just doesn't sink in. And then Jesus said there's another group of people who are the soils, this rocky ground. Verse 16, it says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall Boy, this is a person you share the gospel with them. I mean, they, they like to hear about Jesus. They're so excited about what Jesus can do for them. And they jump all in. I and mean, they are absolutely excited. They, they, they may pray a prayer with you. And they may be getting the Bible. They're all reading it. And they're all excited about this is good. They come to church. You introduce me to them. They show up for a few months. We never see Him again. You never talk to them again. They stop reading their Bible. And they walk away. You met people like that? It's because the seed went in and they were really happy that they thought, hmm, this is good. It's good to be joyful, but they thought, hmm, my life's an absolute disaster. It's a complete wreck. And you're telling me that Jesus can come in and fix me up? Yes, I'll take that. I've tried all this other stuff, but now I'll take Jesus. And then once they get Jesus and then all of a sudden their life doesn't turn around like they thought. It doesn't get easier. Sometimes it gets worse. It gets much worse. And they're like, well, I thought Jesus was supposed to be the answer to my problems. Jesus is the answer to your problems, but you're not really trusting Jesus. And they're all joyful. They're all happy. They want to serve in the church. They want to do things. But eventually, a few months later, they've faded away. And joy is good, but really the, the greatest response to the gospel should be sorrow at first. That's why Matthew chapter six says blessed are those who mourn because they see the spiritual bankruptcy. We can share Jesus in such a way that it sounds like, yeah, just take Jesus. But they never have to deal with their sin. They never have to repent. They never have to, have to say, I'm the one really that caused Jesus to go on the cross. And my life may not turn around perfectly. Everything might not get better. That's what Jesus is saying. And people come and people go and they hear about Jesus and they get all excited and then poof, they're gone. And, and they weren't grounded fully in repentance and faith. But they liked the good stuff. And there is great good stuff. But the repentance comes with the good stuff. And then he says there's a third group. There's a third soil. that comes in. It says in verse 18... But the cares of the world and the ones that are are, are the ones that are sown among the thorns, those are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. They hear about Jesus, they kind of like what it has to say, but then all of a sudden, life starts to happen, and they get... Enticed by a better paying job or better opportunity or the desire for other things and many of those other things could be good things I used to tell the teenagers all the time When I was youth pastor to them my concern for you is not that you Reject jesus and you walk away from jesus and that your life will go bad for you My biggest concern for you is that you will hear about jesus now You'll walk away from jesus and your life will go very very good for you You'll have a good job, you'll have a good wife, you'll have some nice family, you'll have some good friends, and you'll spend your entire life thinking you don't need Jesus and you'll die and go to hell. Because Satan blinds people's eyes. And sometimes the seed goes that way. And unfortunately, there's many kids we had in youth group who at this point, that's where it was. They loved Jesus in high school. But the Desire for life and the riches of the world have kind of pulled them away. And then there's the good soil. Verse 20, he says, But those that were sown on the good soil, the ones who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, and for 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And it takes, they see who Jesus is, they respond by faith, they're rescued, and God calls them. But here's the thing with sowing. 75%. Jesus says, of the sowing that you see, when you speak of Jesus, it it's, seems like it's wasted. 75% Jesus is saying, he's the word. 75% of it is, here's what's going to happen with it. When you speak of Jesus, expect this. These are the different ways that it hits people's lives. But we preach Christ and God opens blind eyes. And we just have to know that this is the soil that it goes in. But where our job is to preach Christ and it's God's job to open up blind eyes eyes so if you get rejected or if you get you get frustrated like what happened how come i thought that person knew jesus we just keep preaching christ and god's the one who opened blinds eyes so here's four strategies that are like us to consider as we speak of jesus the first one is this all the parables were spoken to people who knew jesus and people who didn't know jesus And they were supposed to understand that the kingdom of God has come and that Jesus is the king of the kingdom. But the word of God is, it says in James, a mirror for us. So as you speak of Jesus or haven't been speaking of Jesus, could it be that maybe you think you're one soil, but the reality is you have fallen into a different soil? you see yourself in any of this? Have you just been so hardened, you've heard the gospel, you've heard about Jesus but it just it means nothing to you anymore. It doesn't even move you. The Bible doesn't move you in any way, but for some reason you are still attracted to it but your heart's still hard to Jesus. Or maybe you're in rocky ground you're really joyful, but there really isn't, you're, you're, you're not really willing to repent and surrender completely over everything to Jesus Christ. Well, moreover if you're honest, your soul is filled with thorns, and you loved Jesus, and you still love him, and you really used to want to serve him, but now there's so many other things going on. You got kids, you got grandkids, you got jobs, you got this, and so many other things have taken over that if you're really honest with yourself, your heart is filled. With thorns, and you can't move anymore, and you're stuck, and you can't figure out what's changed. Or maybe you're just like, "Yes, yeah, keep talking about Jesus. I, I want to leave right now and go share Jesus." That's good soil, but we need to show and look and examine our own selves and see what's the mirror of the word of our own self. If we're going to speak of Jesus, and then we need to show interest in others, show interest. In others, people need to know Jesus and literally show interest in him. Not as some project, but just show interest in them. Find out what they're interested about. Find out what they're like. Ask them questions. Be interested in people. One-on-one reaching people. Just show interest in people's lives. The way to get to know your neighbor is to find out why he painted his house blue or why he parks his car there and just start having conversations with people. Why does he do what he do? Ask them questions. Be Show interest in other people's lives. Jesus did that all over the place. He was always asking questions. And then we need to seek to get people to open the Bible with us. You can bring people to church, and it used to be. You could invite your friends to church, get them to come to church. You bring them, they show up, and then... They sit down, I speak, or another pastor or another preacher speaks, and you're like, nothing happens. And then you can be like, oh, God. He told me to bring people to jesus i brought them to church and now now they don't want to come back again or i can't get them to move forward the goal today has to be to say hey i'm going to find people i'm going to be interested in them i'm going to find out where they're at and then i'm going to move them i'm going to get them to come to church with me or i'm going to talk to them at work but we're going to try to get them to the point where we can say hey hey can i open the bible can we get to Bible? can we get together and share the bible together It's the word of God that opens people's eyes. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So seek to open the Bible with people. You can be the nicest, friendliest, kindest person at work. You can say all the nice things, but it's the word of God that opens people's blind eyes. So try to find ways to say, hey, hey, can we look at the Bible together? Or what do you think about this verse? Or what do you think about this? If they come to church... You have to pick them back up and say, so what did you think? What did you think about that passage? And carry with your friends as you go. So check your own heart. Show interest in other people's hearts. Seek to open the Bible with people. It just was done statistically that 79% of people who aren't believers said that if a friend truly valued faith personally, they wouldn't mind their friend talking about it. Lifeway in the Evangel the Center for Evangelism at Wheaton College just did a study and did you says, did you know that forty percent of unchurched people say they would discuss matters of religion freely with someone? And another thirty one percent that they would listen to spiritual information. The reality is often it's not Them, who's afraid to talk about it. It's us that's afraid to talk about it. Because we haven't put the stakes in the ground that said, God's placed me here. God's sovereign. God calls me to do this. God made me my neighbor's neighbor. And he wants me to speak of him. And he wants us to use his word. And then we need to savor the fruit of the seed. Back in the time when Jesus spoke about this, If a farmer or if a landowner got like 7% of the seed that he sown to grow, that would have been a good harvest, 7%. They would have thought that was a good harvest. But here's the good news of this passage. It says, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Jesus told this parable not to discourage us from sowing the seed, not to say, hey, sow it all you want, only 75 and 75% of people are going to reject it. No, he said it, so sow the seed, because it's going to fall on some really good soil. And when it falls on some really good soil, look out, because I'm going to show you what I can do. It will grow 60-fold to 100-fold. Years ago, there was a Sunday school teacher named Mr. Kimball. And he taught a young man's Sunday school class, late teens. And he had a real heart for the kids in his class. And he wanted to sow the seed. He wanted to share the gospel with them. And one morning he woke up and he just had been thinking about this one man. And he was praying about it. And he felt, I got to share the gospel with him. I got to speak of Jesus to him. But he's at work, so he went down to see where he worked. And as he was walking, he was like, I, I can't do this. What if I go in there and I talk to him and he gets all embarrassed and the people that he's at work with uh, make fun of him? But Mr. Kimball said, no, I, I really believe I want to speak of Jesus. So he went to where he worked at a shoe store, walked in the back, found him, and in with about two minutes, shared with him, Jesus loves you, you need Jesus, will you surrender your life to Jesus? Mr. Kimball preached Christ, and God opened D.L. Moody's blind eyes. And in that moment, D.L. Moody recognized it, believed it, and responded. And he said, as I walked home that day, the sun shone brighter. The birds seemed louder. And God took D.L. Moody and compounded him 60-fold, 100-fold, and millions and millions and millions of people all around the world know Jesus Christ because God blessed the seed. We preach Christ, and God opens blind eyes. It's a miracle. Salvation is an absolute miracle. If you're here and you're like, me and became a Christian when you are young, and we uh, hear all these stories sometimes, be like, oh, my, my testimony is not that great. You know, I didn't do drugs long enough. My, my, my Kool Aid addiction only lasted for six years. It's not a great story. That's foolishness. We are blind in our sins, the Bible says, and God wakes us up. Salvation's a miracle, it's an absolute miracle. In a moment, we're going to take communion where well, we're going to remember that Jesus came for our sins on the cross and he woke us up outside of ourselves. We never would have choos- chose God on our own, but we need to remember the miracle and share Jesus. And maybe this morning, you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never actually received the miracle that God loved you enough to send his son to die on the cross for your sins and rescue you, and he calls you to your self. Jesus said, the sower sows the word. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the seed that we are called to sow. So speak of Jesus. Cast the seeds of Jesus over your circle of influence. And maybe this morning you just need to connect with Jesus for the first time. Speak of Jesus. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Thank you.